Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and You want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much In this 60-minute masterclass, y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Boom. Okay. Did you have to hit accept? Yeah. Amazing. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea podcast. Excited to bring everybody's favorite type of episode to them today, a story, recovery story. I have with me Haley Floyd. She worked with Ashley. So I actually don't know any really of her story except for, you know, the conversations I've had with you here and there through the community calls. So I'm really pumped to just get to kind of like 
listen for the first time um you tell your story so first of all welcome to the show oh thank you it's such an honor to be here I feel it still feels so surreal because I literally listen to this podcast every single day for months so never imagined being (laughs) on this end but it's thankful yeah I can I can imagine that being so cool and just everyone listening who has also thought I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna share my story come on, bring it. Yeah. Bring it. (laughs) Email me. (laughs) It's like a little bit of extra motivation. So I like that. Yeah. Oh, no, totally. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I want to hear from you because I I kind of, I know where this story sort of begins. I know where it sort of ends, but we're going to leave that as, we're going to leave this as a part of the exciting, we're going to tell it from start to finish, essentially. It's a long one. It's a long one. <laughs> well, good, because I need a podcast out of it. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, you. I'm going to sit back. Tell me, where does the story begin? And yeah, okay. So pretty similar starts to a lot of ladies who I've talked to, but I grew up an athlete, did every kind of sport, always had a brother, had a coach dad. So it was just like my life. Um, I ran track and field in um, high school, and then I ended up um, competing in college for a year and a half. So I was a big time runner from when I was young. I had a, I think I got my first period pretty late, probably from the sports, didn't know anything about that, but, um, but it was normal. So like, you know, didn't, no issues early on when, when I was a teenager. Um, And then I actually, I stopped competing in college it was just too much. I really hated it. It was a lot of pressure, which probably should have been like a red flag from the beginning. I was just so overwhelmed and the pressure of having to perform. And even as a college athlete, having to look a certain way, like I was on a team of female runners who all had this runner bod in college, you know, just lots of things going on during my stage of life. Um, but when I stopped like competing collegiately, I kind of lost myself. Like I didn't know what to do without running or without a team. Um, so I kind of just like kept doing what I was doing. I was like training, even though I wasn't really training for anything, but I didn't have like the team aspect or the inputs kind of like guiding me along the way. And so that's kind of when it started taking a darker turn and that I was overdoing it. I wasn't eating right. So, you know, you can co- when you're a college athlete, you have people helping you with all that. And I didn't have that at the time. So I was just way too into that. I, lost a lot of weight and lost my period. I think probably when I was 20, 20, I'm 30 now. So it would have been about 10 years. Um, and then of course I went to the doctor and they like so many others were like, well, we have perfect solution for you. We have birth control. So yeah, it was a great solution. Um, I was aware that I was losing weight and that like my mom had even said something. So like, I knew that I needed to make some changes and I did, like, I would never say that I was like in a full blown eating disorder, but it was going down that path. And my mom, cause she had struggled. She caught it pretty early. And she's like, Hey, I'm seeing patterns. I want to like, check, check yourself a little bit. And I did. Um, so I like gained some weight. I was still very lean, but never like, so again, like this is so repetitive, but like, I was never underweight. I was just lean. And I went on like running like that. And I was running, I was then training for like half marathons, um, just for fun. Cause I actually did really, I do and did really love, enjoy running. Um, 
and I was good. So it was, it was fun. Like I was still competitive. Um, but I went on like that for seven years, like fast forward. I had no awareness that there was an issue. I knew why I had gone on birth control, but I thought that, oh, I had gained weight, all this stuff. I was fine now. Um, got married. I was 25. Um, again, like nothing on my radar that there was any issues all this time. Um, I did though, throughout that time, had a couple stress fractures, which again, at the time you're told, oh, you're a long distance runner. Like that just comes with the territory. That's what I was told by even doctors. Um, it's not, it's not a normal part of long distance running. That's another red flag, but I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. Anyway, um, we started talking about starting a family or at least like preparing to start a family. And I had a feeling I had listened to, um, Tina Muir's story. Um, she, she, um, yeah, she's had, the runner. yeah, she's the runner who didn't have a period for like nine years. I'd heard her on a podcast. She referenced no period. Now what? Mm. And I had heard that. And like, I kind of, my mind was like, oh, this sounds similar. Mm. Um, so that's what triggered me to go off of birth control to see kind of like what would happen. Um, course did not you had like a, a intuition or an innate yes. feeling that like this I probably uh live my life in a way that's because I had the same thing where it's like yeah. I didn't really know about HA but I intuitively knew yeah something's not probably right. contributing yeah 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 and yeah exactly I didn't know anything about it but I just had this feeling which is so funny because like those feelings have drived a lot of like the changes that I've made those like gut those gut decisions have always been right. I love it. This process. Yeah. Um, didn't get my period back. Um, like three months went by six months went by at that point I had read no period. Now what? And I realized like, okay, I need to make some changes. Um, I also found out that my bone health was not optimal. So that was another like glaring red flag. Um, so I stopped running. This was like over two years ago, like two and a half years ago, I stopped running. I put on some weight. I was like, okay, I'm doing this. Um, but like two months in, I kind of freaked out. And, you know, like in the, when you initially go all in, like I said, I got the puffiness, I got the like rapid weight gain and it freaks you out. And it's really hard to keep going. And I didn't have people around me at the time that were helping me. I was just doing this on my own. Um, so like three months in, I was like, okay, this isn't working. I, you know, I just didn't give enough time. I was like, I probably need like fertility treatment. Cause at that time, of course, like once you start talking about having kids and like people around you start having kids, it just like this little fire starts building in your brain, at least for me. And then I wanted it like now. Um, yeah. So we, I met with a fertility specialist. I actually met with, I met with Dr. Rinaldi even. And like, I talked to her, she was super encouraging. She went through my lab. She's like, oh, you're on the right track. Like things are looking better. So I was encouraged. She's like, um, maybe I needed to kickstart. I had heard that being successful for other people. So I tried Clomid a couple times and then Letrozole as well. And I actually ovulated twice, um, responding at like various levels of medication. Um, we just didn't get pregnant. Cause that, so at this point, it all shifted. It had gone from like getting my period back for my own health to like, okay, this is to have a baby. Um, so from like all of last year, it was like, go doing whatever it takes to have a baby. And that was my main focus. And I'd say like, during that time, when we started the fertility treatment, I kind of let go of being all in for me, which was 
you know, really watching my exercise and really making sure I ate all the things. I had kind of put that on the back burner. So I'd say for like the first, you know, six months or so. Because you were doing treatments. Yeah, it was my crush. Like, yep, mm-hmm. yep. And I had like, I was in such a normal body at that time, normal by whatever society standards are. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way, like this has to be, there's something else going on here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, I was so oh. normal at that stage. Um, and I had given mm-hmm. up like running. I was running at one point training, you know, 50, 60 miles a week. And then all of a sudden I was doing nothing while I was walking. Yeah. <laughs> I was over walking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we did all, we spent all of last year doing fertility treatment. Um, we ended up finding out throughout all of that, that we also had some like male factor issues going on. So it was like both of us, um, which again, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like I, I used it again as a crutch. I was like, okay, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe it's my husband, you know? So um, we kind of moved with like the stepwise process of like fertility treatment. You start with oral medications and then we did a couple IUIs. Um, none of them worked. I'm taking it they didn't work. It sounds like everything you did was uh, about making ovulation happen. And I'm taking it that it was more of like a progesterone thing at that point that was making it not happen. (laughs) I have no idea. I mean, I do. Just just, from what you're saying, you're like, I took letrozole, I took Clomid, I did ovulate, didn't get pregnant. It's like, okay, well, you probably didn't have the sufficient progesterone to allow for implantation. And then if you factor in male factor, and yeah, I'm like, I how were you seeing a lot of cervical mucus while you were taking? Nope, I wasn't seeing that. Yeah. And my lining was really thin every time. So like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah. So just like, we, we weren't just, responding strong. No, no, not, and not in the natural way. Um, and then fast forward, we even did. So, you know, they say statistically after you try something three or four times, if your chances of conceiving go down. And at this point, you're also spending a lot of money. So our, thankfully we had decent insurance. We have decent insurance. So our doctor, you know, we were like looking at the cost of everything and we actually decided to do a round of IVF starting last January, um, which is a, a big decision. Um, but again, nothing was working. And I thought at, at this point, I was like, it can't be my HA because I'm so normal looking. I'm not doing anything, uh, interesting. you know? So we did a round of IVF. The retrieval went great. Obviously I had a lot of eggs. You said this was uh, not January this year, but the following. Last year, last year. Of the yeah, prior, so yeah. right before, like, pen, right start of the pandemic mm-hmm. or through the pandemic. Um, and egg retrieval went great. We were super optimistic. We got like a, a, we were blessed with a good number of embryos that were genetic tested and they were good. So we were like, okay, this is gonna be it. This is how it's gonna happen. Um, and then, you know, I was like, and then after this, I'll recover and it'll all magically work. That's where I was at in my head. Um, at, I had also during kind of the IVF process, cause it's super stressful. I had started working out a little bit more. Um, my family, like lovingly, they got me a Peloton, which I was super excited about. Um, but I started getting really into that. Um, nothing compared to the running that I was doing, but more than I probably should have been doing considering my hormone levels. Um, so we did our first transfer last March and I had a um, chemical pregnancy. So like the embryo tried to attach, um, 
implant, but then didn't last very long. And it ended up being like a very complicated miscarriage. Like it, they had a really hard time getting my HCG numbers to drop. So it was like three months of blood work and trauma and all this stuff. Yeah. Wow. It was super emotional. Um, but again, like, you know, they say statistically, you know, there's only a 50, 50 shots. So in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm just un- the unfortunate part of the 50%. So we, I didn't make any lifestyle changes at that point. We just kind of kept, kept going. I did another transfer in, I think like June of last year. So this is like several months later and exact same thing happened. Uh, each cycle though, my, again, no matter how many drugs they gave me, I mean, I was on so much estrogen and progesterone and I bought like my lining, my endometrial lining would not thicken. Mm. My doctor thought I was like an anomaly. Like she could not tell me, she told me it had nothing to do with weight had nothing to do with exercise. She actually encouraged me to exercise because of the stress and the emotions of IVF. Um, she just thought it was just like the way that my body just like wasn't going to produce maybe a lining that was like sustainable for pregnancy. That was like the conclusion after the miscarriage in June. So I just like felt like an absolute failure. <laughs> um, and it was at that time that that little voice kind of came back though. Like, I think when I saw the lining get thin and I had at this point, like I had started hearing and learning more about HA and reading more about HA, like that voice, that nudge came back in my head and was like, what if this has to do with the fact that I still haven't put in enough work for my body to feel safe? Um, and we were, we were just about to start on our third embryo transfer. Um, when I just like had this epiphany or like this gut feeling kind of friend for me, like it was my, I'm religious. So like, for me, it was like, God being like, Uh like, it's not the right, it's not the right time. Like I need you to put in some work. And so, um, that's when I found you and I found, um, Ashley in HA society. I had started listening to your podcast. Um, and I started listening to like more and more and more and hearing all these stories, hearing all this information. And like every single time I listened, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's me. Oh my gosh, that's literally I have like I have like tingles. For yeah, <laughs> we're like about to go and do this. Yeah, and there was just a feeling. Yeah, like a, yeah, some kind of awakening of like there's there's more rocks you haven't un- turned over yet. Keep looking. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and the feeling too was like, what if if we get pregnant through IVF? Like, I'll never know if. I was very unsettled with the idea of like, I'll never know if like I put in, if I did what I needed to do to recover. Like I was going to get, my idea was I was going to get pregnant, but that wasn't true recovery. And I think at that stage, like that feeling was like, I need to, I need to do everything it takes. Like if I were to get my period back and then we did, we still did IVF because we had male factor Mm -hmm. um, and it didn't work. Then at least I would know it wasn't all me or like there, you know, there was some guilt, I think, which actually really helped me work through. Cause that was like one of the hardest things that I felt was so much guilt over everything over the past, like five, 10 years. Um, so anyway, I, I, and I also knew at that time, like, okay, I'm probably not going to be able to do this on my own. Like I need somebody 
helping me and I need other women um, because it's so much harder when you're trying to right do this stuff on your own it's just every person is so different and like you know you're, you're you think you're doing the right thing but you don't have that accountability right this whole time I thought I was eating so much yes no <laughs> what I'm like what I'm already taking away from what you're saying here is like ignore what you think you know yeah so like like what you think you know or the story that you're creating in your head is getting in the way of potential facts or, yep. or just like a, another, you know, being married to this, I'm in a normal body. Mm-hmm. This can't be me. Like being super married to that is just not letting us try. Yep. And like the theme for me, Ashley always brought it up was like control. I was trying to control mm-hmm. my narrative. Mm-hmm. Like I was trying to Like I wanted to know exactly when I was going to get pregnant, how it was going to happen, what I was going to look like when it happened. Like, that's just like, I'm sure that's a lot of our women's personalities. This is amazing. This is so true. Yes. Every part of, and, and so often when we work with women is that this thing comes up of like, this wasn't the plan. Oh, this is not my plan. Where do you live? I live in California. Oh, okay. I was going to say this mostly comes up with my, when you're in the U S with my, uh, like Midwest, like center of the country. Oh, that's so funny. Ladies, uh, which kind of makes sense as a cultural difference. And then when yeah. you like live around the borders of the country, you're a bit more open to like getting pregnant in your third, like late thirties and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's still- Well, everywhere. the religious background though, like I come from, like I'm, I'm Christian. Yeah, and so like a sure. lot of my Christian friends are like, okay, get married, have kids. Like, that's what you do. Like, that's how, that's like the mental headspace that yeah, I was in. Ashley yeah. is so different to everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I, like to religious people. It's refreshing though. It's super refreshing. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, that it's just, it's amazing how, how much like control is caught. Like this is a, and this is an exercise in letting go. I'm excited to hear where yeah. else this like. That'll come back. Yeah. Cause that was the final piece for me. Okay. Yeah, um, keep going. Yeah, so I started working with Ashley last September. Um, I just did like bi-weekly coaching with her and then started getting more involved in HA Society, joined a few calls, which was like, again, just like a life-changing thing for me. Um, I would say I went by de- my, our, my own definition of all in. I like really went for it. I had like cut out almost all my walking um, and I ate even more than I had previously thought and like had Ashley as the accountability to like sending her what I was eating in a day and like getting the feedback like okay that's great but like you could do more like that gut-wrenching feeling of like oh my gosh I do even more um and at this point like I said I had already gained like I don't know if I'm not gonna say numbers but like I had gained like 20 plus pounds at this point and I didn't start underweight so I'm like sitting here in this body that's like okay (laughs) you're like already uncomfortable and then I had to push myself like past that limit again um but was funny this time like when I actually went back all in it was so much less about the weight gain and the body image stuff which is a cool feeling I feel like I had like over the last couple of years I had started to let that go it was again this control piece of like when's it gonna happen for me like I'm willing to do this and I actually even I joke like I was willing to work with her for three months and then I was like, okay, but after the three months, like if I don't have my period back, we're going to try IVF again um, because our insurance and like, I think it was the end of the year and our insurance, I had like already met my deductible. So I was like, 
financially, like it makes sense for us to do IVF again. <clears throat> but I, and that's so funny because even Ashley was like, well, why are you on this timeline? But I was, I was like, yeah. if it doesn't happen here, then okay, then this is my backup plan. I had to control like every part of it. But And question. Yeah. With that, were you also like, I'm going to do this for three months and I'm going to hold nothing back. Like I'm going to do exactly what is recommended, yeah. yada, yada. And, and that was sort of. Okay. Yeah, I really, this time, I mean, I was definitely like looking back, it's the hardest thing in the world. I would never wish it upon anybody. And like, I'm not looking back at those like three, four months of like, that was a blast. Really glad that I, <laughs> really glad that I had to. Get that. Yeah, we're not no. like, we're not saying, hey, this is. That one. <laughs> when I do the uh, the intake form, I make people rate like their willingness to do the work because <laughs> uh, out of 10, um, when yeah. they apply, I don't know if you remember that. I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's very interesting. Um, yeah. It's like, do people understand that it's not be fun? <laughs> no, yeah, it's definitely not fun. I was, but I think having gone through everything we'd been through the last like year and a half, two years at this point, I was pretty like, okay, this is like, I'm done. Like mm-hmm. I'm done fighting it. And like, this is obviously like worth whatever, like I'm going to put into it in some form. Even if I didn't get my period back, I was like, I'm sure it's going to help IVF, like in the very least. Um, but I did. Yeah. I went pretty hard at it. I, I was committed to it. And I mean, again, like having Ashley there, like with the encouragement in you in the podcast or in the AJ society, like that accountability was a game changer for me. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora, cornucopia of things. But in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing and these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even we have created a checklist it's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery and it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery so to get the checklist all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you you can print it off And you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot. And it will be waiting for you there. Um, 
I also started tracking like my basal body temperature and all that. Um, and I didn't have like, I think this is another funny thing. I was so bent on like, I'm going to have all these symptoms that are going to like show me the things are going in the right direction. And that's going to be like my security blanket, hmm. to, like keep going. Sure. And I, I didn't have tons of those visible things. Ashley would say I did because she was looking at my charts um, on like my temperatures. Um, but like physically I did not. And so I was even like during the three months, I was super discouraged. I was like, nothing's happening. Just my body's changing. Um, but nothing physical is happening. Um, but then in December, um, my husband and I, I always tell, I joke too, like another key to this is going to Disneyland because <laughs> we went to <laughs> Disneyland for a trip, just the two of us. Um, and I ovulated for the first time probably on my own in like eight, 10 years, like the day after we got back from our trip. And then I got my, my, had my first recovery period, um, in December and that was the best day of my life. Like I literally, I still, I, it's funny the things you like appreciate, but like I took, a, I took a picture of like my ovulation strip. I still, I still have that picture. And I like called my mom. I was like, mom, my LH strip is positive. Like, oh, just the things, the things you celebrate. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's as exciting as positive pregnancy test. Oh, because at that point, so when you've been through all of this and you sort of understand, I mean, there's always, for most people, there's some doubts, right? But for me, it's like when I knew that if I could get my period to look good, like my cycle to look good, um, I knew I could get pregnant. And so there was more doubt in the ability to recover than there was in the ability to get mm. pregnant for me. Nice. Uh, I'm the opposite. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Most I'm people like, yeah, I was like, well, because we've been told everything. I was like, oh, I'm going to do all this and then still not get pregnant. Yeah. Like you've been told multiple yeah. times. Yeah, true. Which is harder. It makes it even harder motivation wise. Cause you're like, mm. I could put in all this work and I could still not get me what I want. Ooh, what a freaking like lesson in adversity. I just, I love <laughs> it. Just the, the perseverance for anyone listening who has had those statements told to them, which is many, or even just who tells themselves that, right? Like mm -hmm. this can't happen for me. I'm probably not likely to get pregnant. You know, I've done so much work and it still hasn't worked. Like when you have done so much that you think you're at the limit of how much you can do, that is when you go further. Like you yep. dig a little deeper. So cool. Yeah. And anytime I had to ask myself that question, like, is there more that I, that I can do? The answer was usually yes. Like having to ask that question, like, am I eating enough or am I walking too far? Like that was my own like internal voice saying like, Maybe. yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, I wasn't just, yeah. So anyway, having first cycle, so excited, like celebrated like crazy. Um, and which is also funny because I had said like, okay, after my first period, we're going to, then we're going to do IVF. Like mm -hmm. getting pregnant naturally was not really like on my radar still. I was like, there's like, we're doing IVF. It's just a matter of when, and like my body's just going to be at a better place for when we do it. Um, so then though, that little voice came back and I was like, well, what if, what if I like waited until I had three recovery periods? And I was like, actually quote unquote recovered, or at least consistent and not just like a one-off enough for my lifestyle changes. We're going to continue. Um, so I 
told Ashley, I was like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. <clears throat> so I kept this is important just because, because one period post Disneyland trip, like there's so many variables in it that you can't replicate. And this does happen a lot. Women go on vacation and they're like, I got it. Yeah. And one, one girl, Kathleen, shout out. She had a very similar thing. She went on this vacation and, and like, oh my gosh, she, she did it. She'd done all this work. And, but then her second, third period didn't come. And so we were like, what did you do that month that was different? And she's like, I was on vacation yeah. and, I, and I ate di- differently. So it's like, even though you think you're doing all the things two months po- post-vacation, it, it's not the same. There are missing pieces. You're still trying to control. So it's so important that those of us, which is most of us who are still trying to control something, do exactly what you say, you what you're saying here, which is like, let's actually solidify these lifestyle changes. Just in case it was like a fluke. Yeah. And I had heard that, like, I don't think I would have had that mentality if I hadn't heard that from other women, Mm -hmm. like so many women who they have one, even Ashley had said like she had one and then her second one longer. Yeah. And I fully expected that. I anticipated it. And so then I I, like that determination, like just really kicked in and I was like, okay, I got to do this. I got to be one of those people who like, of course, type A personality, I've got to achieve this thing. Now I have to be fully recovered. Right. Um, so I kept doing it. And as again, so many things that people told me were true. The second cycle was a million times harder. Cause like, you know, I didn't ovulate on day 14. So like then day 16 came and I was like freaking out. I was texting Ashley. I was like, am I doing something wrong? Like all the stereotypical things. Um, I did uh, ovulate late. Um, I think that was like day 25. Yeah. Um, but this cycle was like textbook. Like, I know you're like, you're like a cervical mucus guru. This one was like beautiful. I have the full, like five days of like mm-hmm. progression. And I was like, okay. Sounds beautiful. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I did. I did. I was, so my luteal phase was short in the first cycle. It was like seven days, which I fully expected. But since like we wanted the chance to try, I did take the gesturone after I ovulated on the second cycle. Um, I was still like, I was still in contact with my doctor. Like I had told her, um, that I ovulated and I had asked, like, you know, I wanted the chance to conceive. So again, my, and even Ashley, we had a whole conversation about it. Well, she's like, is that you trying to control the situation? Or is that like true? Which who knows either way. Um, but on my second, so my second cycle, I was on the progesterone. So I knew that unless I took a test, um, I wasn't going to, like I wasn't going to know whether or not to stop the progesterone. Um, so I took, I, I'm a nurse. So I woke up at five o'clock on, um, on a work day and took a test, no expectations at all. Like I was taking this test to know to stop taking progesterone so that I could like start all over again. And, um, two lines came up (laughs) and we found out we were pregnant in January. So on my, on my second cycle, we got pregnant naturally after two years of like every possible fertility treatment. That's so, so fun. Yeah. And like, so with, with the, with the, I took progesterone. Yeah. Yeah. After I ovulated. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so you did that to enter implant, give implantation the best shot. Yes. And this just makes sense. Right? Like we typically very few women are, are going through this and are trying to get pregnant with the with the uh, mindset of like 
I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> right. Like most women just, they, they want it now. And yeah. so you're going to decide to do that. Like that's just most people, like we're going to decide to just take the progesterone. Um, and so that's totally fine. Yeah. And I know at that time, I think I was in a hurry. I was, it was a decision I made because like, again, I, I mean, I think I still was trying to control the process a little bit, but it was also that I, yeah, it was, and that's something I still struggle with. Like even being pregnant, like yeah. in the first few weeks, like I wanted to know how things like, it, it's just a constant battle for me. Like, I want to know how things are going to end. Like, I want to, I just want to know things. That's just that, that's my battle that I'm, I think I'm going to face like for the rest of my life. And thankfully now I just have better tools to navigate through it. Right. Yes. Uh, it's like, how, how do I, how am I not navigated by my need to control that right. when you can identify that it's happening, it just removes the power from it. And now you're making the conscious decision. Yeah. Right? So you're at a choice point of like, I, I, I could take progesterone for this. Now I know I might be trying to control the situation. And for this particular situation, I choose, <laughs> I choose that. Yeah. But, like, but in other situations you won't. And, and now you understand yourself better. And I think it's so really just noble for most of us to go th- to like have a goal to just understand ourselves, mm-hmm. know yeah. ourselves as well as we possibly can. Yeah. So, and you'll take that into the rest of your pregnancy and into your parenting <laughs> and you, yeah, I'm trying to control things that I can't oh, yeah. control. Yeah. My husband even knows it now too. Cause he, cause it's so fun. He's been like watching me learn in the background. So he knows control is my biggest thing. So even when I have like anxiety around certain things, like in the pregnancy, like a cramp or something that will just like throw me off the rails, mm-hmm. he'll come in. He's, he's, I think he's even heard some of my conversations with Ashley because he'll come in and he'll be like, now, is this real? Or is this like your head? I'm like, it's probably my head. Thanks a lot. If that's true, I like to think that he's learning some things about himself too. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. Totally is. Like we're all a little bit like that. Yeah. No. Uh, Yeah. But I think with the yeah, with the progesterone and the control part, I knew if I the decision the decision to do it came from like, okay, if I don't do this, I'm gonna try to control, I think going back into IVF. So I wanted to give my, I wanted the, the full ability of my natural cycles to really go for it. But like, like you said, like there were some decisions I was like, okay, I had, I learned how to ask myself the question, like, am I controlling this? Because like, I want to change my body or I want to change, like, is this a selfish control or is this like, okay, this is, yes, this is control, but this is also sometimes like what women actually need. And like, I didn't, I wasn't justifying it for this reason of like, I wanted to look a certain way or like, I don't know if that makes sense, but my decision process like changed when it came to control of like really learning, like, am I controlling this coming from a place like my HA side of like, like I said, having this identity around being thin, having this identity around being an athlete Um, or is it coming from like a lot more understanding from a place of like grace? That's one thing. Like I gave myself grace to take progesterone because I was like, yeah, put in a lot of hard work. Like it's okay to take this pill for 10 days. Like you're not cheating. Um, but I learned how to have more grace for myself. Cause this is cool. Cause you could have gone down the route of like, I can do this by myself. Right. And no, you know, like you're accepting help and there's act, that's actually a big theme, right? Of something that you did along this, this process was accept help starting with 
um, fertility treatments and looking into that, mm -hmm. uh, accepting help in acknowledging that perhaps male factor is a role. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not. You mentioned being unsure. Yeah. Now, now, cause we, my, my husband was retested. He actually had like a procedure done, um, like halfway through all of this. Um, and that was supposed to like improve things. And he was retested, not even kidding, like two days before we found out I was pregnant and there was no change. Yeah. This is curious. So obviously I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, and he was, they said he was low, but I have seen this a lot of times and the, it's so interesting because the normal ranges are lower than the optimal ranges. So like, right. uh, your regular fertility test, they'll say you're in normal range, but that could still be lower than what is optimal based on the studies. Right. Even still people will get pregnant. And so I've like, I've honestly been in some like embarrassing situations where I've been working with someone or not even just like a friend was like trying to get pregnant and this happened. And, you know, they tried a few times and it didn't work. And I was like, well, you know, he is really suboptimal, like yada, yada. But then we still focus only on her and not on him. And we do eventually get pregnant. And so I'm with you in like, yeah. this is what the research says and okay, but this is what I'm seeing in practice and like anecdotally and I like but you know that's no I, I've heard I mean same thing I've heard so many women with same with male factor and obviously like male factor can totally impact things like I don't want to take away that from like no, definitely anyone who's struggling with it but I do think that there is some there's something to like the power of like women's hormones I can like totally hear your phone ringing I know sorry no, <laughs> no that's okay <laughs> It's like oh, it's my, my mom. See, this is this mom. Check it um, out. <laughs> yes, anyway, uh, I think I think maybe I don't know. Maybe the testing is a bit weird or something. And you know, he did he take steps though? Like he made some lifestyle changes. Yeah, yeah. Like he, maybe it did help, but the, right. the numbers just yeah. don't just don't correlate in exactly the same way as when we make changes. It shows on our chart. Yeah, it's oh. just like. It's just not the same for it, or and it's too it's like, not like the same for lab testing at all. No, no, and yeah. So anyway, yeah. So now I'm 13, 13 weeks pregnant today. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, it's crazy. So good, you're having a boy. Yes, having a baby boy, which is also so exciting. <laughs> so dang, yeah. I mean, I my absolute favorite stories are just like when you just pe people who were going down the, the treatment route and got not got pregnant naturally like what a whole additional perspective you get to have and I mean it's it's so cool it's just to to <laughs> to be told that you can't and to go and do it um, yeah it's a cool feeling yeah it's a really cool feeling I also like it it's taught me so much like I've learned so much empathy for just infertility world and like the IVF world and like even women like in the group like I just so get it I get it I get every stage of it I get people who are like having a hard time deciding what to do because even even now like I'm glad I did what I did but like these are hard decisions when you have so many like doctors and outside people telling you like well treatment will work and then it does work like I've had other friends with you know even with HA and like like treatment works so much sooner than it would have worked for me. Like it, every woman is like totally different. So like when it's you and you're in that spot, like it's just, it's so challenging. And the only thing I can say for me was like that voice, like 
that, that inner voice or God was telling me like, you need to, you just need to go for it. Like, I really need you to go for it. And I need you to go all in. And I need you to like, give this the full shot. Like for me, that was the driving force. And so like, you know, for anyone in those decisions, like, I think just listen to your gut. Your gut is usually saying something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, listen to your gut, but also sometimes question it. Yeah. <laughs> or like, yeah. is it really your gut or is it, uh, cause you're right. Yeah. Like your gut is different to that voice in your head. That's telling you this is like your, you don't fit the mold for for HA or right, right, right. like you're not thin enough for this to be your issue or it's not you know F, that girl over there doesn't have this problem so you don't like there's a there's a difference in that voice and the one in your gut that's telling you oh but maybe yeah maybe what's happening with that girl over there is totally relevant to yeah you're right you. I'm totally thinking of like for me it was like that deep inner voice that deep inner gut always telling me and then like the little voices on my shoulder that were like telling me but like well you've probably like you've gained a lot of weight like you've probably they really are like when you visualize them they are in different places like the voice is coming from yeah deep within like you say like in your heart or you know deep within your brain mm-hmm. and, and that one telling you oh you should this is this is silly like this probably isn't the issue let's go back to the gym and we'll just like supplement our way out of this instead Mm -hmm. like that one is so much more surface level and it's so much louder unfortunately most of the time oh so much louder and easier to access like I didn't even understand my own deep feelings like that was part of the process too like I couldn't even like understand what my gut was telling me or like the inner part of me but it was so easy for me to like google something to reassure me like okay you're doing the right thing you know by going through treatment like so yeah the inputs are they're not even for sure but incredible ah well so good such a good story so relatable to a lot of people I really appreciate you coming on and sharing Ah, um I don't know what's one thing what's one thing you would love for everyone to know yeah I'd say like looking back, I would not be here if it wasn't for like people and this Mm. community. And like, I would, I still to this day, I know I would not have done it without like coaching and not that everyone, like some women don't need coaching, but like also the community piece. I think there's a lot of like, maybe even guilt about admitting that you need a community of women who are struggling with something. And I was definitely that person for a long time. Like, I don't want to join a group or whatever, because I don't want to like, I don't want to admit that like, I also have this thing. It's going to need a group. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's kind of like work, right? Like you, you're deciding a, to make a financial investment, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and to, like, it's going to take time out of my day to show up on these calls and contribute or to go through the information and the resources, whatever, like you're making an investment in your time mm-hmm. and people don't want to do that <laughs> and it's like well you know maybe just maybe that's exactly what you need yeah yeah now that, that was it for me that was like the missing link was just having somebody and having a group of people um who would also have gone through this experience or you know at various stages of it being able to like connect with them and like keep me motivated because I think on my own I wouldn't have been as motivated to keep doing it so I'd say 
like that was probably um, the biggest thing. And then truthfully, it's just like on those hardest days, because there are so many of them when like I'd have days where I just like was emotional all day. Like I used to try to, I get frustrated by those days. And one thing that actually taught me was like, just to like, let them happen. And I'm like really glad that I learned to have just like a really bad day. And it was okay. Like I didn't need to be mad at myself for having a bad day. Um, and you, yeah, like you don't need to, um, there's that voice that we we're talking about. When yeah. you have a bad day, the voice tries to fix it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, okay, here's what you can do to fix it. No, let's just ride through it and not try to fix shit. Yeah. Sometimes it's so just a bad day. She's a smart girl. She is. I hate it sometimes, but she's right <laughs> on time. Yeah. When both of you are, I, like both your perspectives are, they're different, but they're so good. So yeah, yeah I just say, I would say like, just everyone's different. Everyone's journey is going to look different. Everyone's pace is going to look different, but I never in a million years, like I did not think I'd be here. Like, I just thought, again, I thought I was a unicorn and I thought that there was no way. And like, I relied on other women's stories who had gotten to that place. And so if anyone just needs that encouragement, like if I can do it after like two and a half years of like all the treatment and all the stuff, like you definitely can too. And it might even be easier. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. There are women who have the story, exact same story in their head that you had of like, this can't be me listening right now. And I want y'all to know that she's proof. She's proof that it could be you, that it probably will be. Like it probably will be. Statistics says it definitely will be. Like, Yeah. Uh, Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. This is really great. I feel all tingly and happy. (laughs) Um, And I hope everyone else has a really great day. And if you want to be just like Haley, come hang out with us at the hasociety.com. Yes, do it. Bye guys. Bye. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So Temp Drop itself is a wearable fertility monitor. And we love it. It's a wearable device. So you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are. And that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. 
So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society.
Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.